0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Modern Nerd. I am Tim Bolin and I am as always a massive nerd. Now I usually try and release these on Wednesdays uh, to coincide with new comic book days, so hopefully you can listen to the podcast, pick up some comics, uh, get some reading done, and enjoy a little bit of both sides of the world. Um, today is going to be uh, Tuesday, March 24th. Uh, we're dropping this a day early because today's episode is a uh, good friend Randy Lander of Rogues Gallery Comics and Games up in Round Rock, Texas. Now uh, he is the only of uh, said store, so if you're up north uh, in Austin, Texas, Round Rock, Cedar Park, somewhere in that area, check out Rogues Gallery Comics and Games. Uh, Today, Tuesday, March 24th, they are going to be open I believe from uh, noon to about 7, give or take, Uh, and they will be closing down uh, for the remainder of this quarantine uh, season. So go ahead and give them a call. Uh, buy a gift card. Stop in if you can. Stock up on comics. We all need some new things to read while we're stuck at home. Uh, check them out. Uh, they do curbside service if you don't want to uh, go into the store, which is great. Otherwise, give them a call. Like I said, uh, call all your local comic book stores, all your local businesses. If you're down south in Austin, Tribe Comic, and, uh, Tribe Comics and Games is great. More centralized is Austin Books and Comics. They're fantastic. Uh, just check out all your local comic stores wherever you are uh listening to this throughout the country um i urge you support your local businesses buy gift cards to restaurants do everything you can to help out um But, yeah, enough about that. Today, Randy Lander, uh, what a fascinating story. This guy has lived quite a life in the comic book industry. He's done everything from comic reviews back when the internet was barely the internet. Um, He knows some big names, some great people. You get to hear about that. It's going to be awesome. Um, I love talking to him. Hopefully I can have him back on again. Uh, There's just so much more I want to dive into with this guy's story. Uh, Give it a listen, Randy Lander. Why don't you introduce yourself and then uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your store, about everything you do.
1: Uh, I'm Randy Lander, and I own a comic book and game store in Round Rock, Texas, which is just north of Austin, called Rogues Gallery Comics and Games. Excellent.
0: Um, I can say firsthand, I've been there. I love the, I love the store. I love the layout. Uh, I love the feel. It has kind of like a traditional classic kind of comic book vibe, uh, which you mixed very nicely with board games, uh, which now seems to have a very large overlap in. Uh, uh, whereas like my store back home uh, was really small and it just had comics and a couple of action figures. So I, I like what you've done with the store. I like the layout uh, and I like everything you got there. Let's go back. Take me back to kind of before you had it, how you kind of got it, and, and what made you decide that you really wanted to open your own store.
1: Sure. So it, it goes back a ways. Uh, I'm not going back to the womb or anything, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I did start in, in my teenage years. I started buying G.I. Joe off the cartoon commercials. Good, man. Good that man. was what got me into comics, and uh, I lived in Denver, Colorado, and... I shopped at a, a Mile High Comics offshoot called Fantasy World or something. I can't remember the actual name. Sure. It was in the mall. And so I was aware of comic shops from a teen. I was lucky. I was in a big you know suburban area, and I had a comic book shop from the time I was a teenager. And I'm almost 50 now, so I've been in comics for like 35 years. A couple of years. You own <laughs>
0: one or two comics probably.
1: And so uh, the idea of, oh, this is a, this is a shop. You, you just have comic books. That's really cool. That was in my head from a young age. Like I always knew that that was a thing you could do. Uh, I definitely didn't think that was what I was going to wind up doing. Sure. Now, did you grow up at all with any like the newsstand comics?
0: Like, did were you when you were a real young kid? It was it before the comic book store existed? Not to age you or date you or
1: anything. <laughs> no, like no, that. I'm, I'm okay being aged. I'm aged. I'm an agent. But yeah, uh, the the direct market started in the '70s, and and so did I. Okay. So um, there were definitely periods where I did not have um, you know comic book shops. Sure. But I was too young to know about that at the time. You know, I didn't know I was missing anything. So yeah. by the time I was like. I, I did. I remember getting comics off spinner racks, and we'd be on road trips, and we'd get them at drugstores and Seven Elevens, and all that kind of stuff. And so, I definitely got my my earliest collection was was Spider Man, or one of my early collections. Good man, that's my and, earliest stuff too. You know, nowadays I follow writers and artists and all that kind of stuff. But you right. know, when you're first starting out, I would pick up Amazing Spider Man because the covers were cool. Yeah. And then at some point I realized I'd bought the last, like, 15 issues in a row. It's because it was Roger Stern's run on Amazing Spider-Man, okay. which is legendary and great. It was. But I wasn't buying it based on, oh, I love Roger Stern. Just like I didn't realize, hey, the same guy's writing the Avengers book that I love. You know, this, the, but you made the connections later. Like, oh, that's a guy I liked. I didn't know it because I just I was just a kid picking up stuff. But So, yeah, I remember picking up Amazing Spider-Man off the, like, 7-Eleven racks. I'd see an issue. and I'm like, oh, I don't have that one yet nice and it's so alien to how i buy comics now
0: sure now can you remember a time when you were collecting those spider-mans that you kind of suddenly were like oh i don't like this as much anymore
1: you know what's funny is that um they transitioned from roger stern to tom defalco who is not on the same level as writer
0: no but i know defalco that's i don't i don't know the stern (laughs) run i know the tom defalco run
1: he picked up from stern and he did a really good job with it like i liked it but it was definitely later I realized, oh, wait a minute, there was a change here, and I didn't, I didn't notice it at that time. Okay. But I did know going back, I'm like, oh, yeah, there were books that I loved, and there were books that I liked, and the ones that I loved were by Stern, and the ones I liked were by DeFalco. But as a kid, I didn't notice the big change that oh, much. He was still picking no. up on... It wasn't like nowadays when you change a writer, it's you not, get a new number one. It's, it's like yeah different completely. But it was just like, oh, no, he just picked up the same stories. He like finished the Hobgoblin story he was working on. Like It was a little more seamless. I'm not saying one way is better, or, or good, but definitely it was easier to not notice in those days.
0: Was that in the run in, like, the 200s, or is that, like, in the 80s? 90s? I want to say it was the 200s. Because I, I remember yeah. I bought uh, – I collect – spider spider-mans i had yeah. like the early runs everything pre-100 i try and grab yeah but i did see this cover with the hobgoblin on it and it looked painted mm-hmm. and it was like all in flames behind him and everything yeah, yeah. and i just saw this and i was like i want that cover. like yeah. i didn't i didn't know anything about the issue that was me shopping for art yeah as opposed to me shopping for a writer which i know right. you do as well um all right so this is the 80s and then uh you're right you're Collecting Spider-Man, you're doing all that stuff. You're finding your love for comics. Where do you go from there?
1: So, I, a lot of love for Marvel. I was definitely a Marvel kid. Sure. And then the Batman movie comes out in 1989. No, it's, it's, and I got into DC from there. Yeah. And then from there, I was Marvel and DC pretty equally. And 90s was actually a pretty good time for DC. Like, early 90s, late yep. 80s. And so, I read a lot of the good DC stuff. I read what was sort of peak gym shooter era Marvel. So, I was kind of on board a really good era of Marvel and DC. And then I went to college. And in college, I, got a, I found a comic store. It was one of the first things I did. Okay. A place called Fusion Comics. And I started shopping there. And in my, like, sophomore or junior year, I got a job there. Got my nice. first job working in comics. And it was, you know, every kid goes to the comic store and thinks the job is going to be comics. And the job is the job. It's a retail job, you know. There's Yeah, you get, you get to read a lot of free comics. But the job isn't reading comics on the you know, on the job right. all day. It's it's stocking shelves and talking to customers and making sure the orders are right and that kind of stuff. And it's the grunt work. It's the grunt work. And I wasn't the manager or anything, so I didn't really know anything on the ordering side. I wasn't doing a lot of that stuff. Right. But I was working in a comic shop when the Death of Superman hit.
0: Okay. I was that was there. Like the biggest event in the 90s. I was
1: there on that day, and I remember very specifically, like, we were, like with a line at the door, and there were people, and they were really mad they couldn't buy more than one copy. And, like, and that still <laughs> they, happens today. <laughs> they didn't do second printings
0: back then. They did not. It was not it as was, common. It was just, this is it. I think yeah. they did. Did they eventually do a second? They did for Death of Superman, yeah, yeah it because so it was so big. big. Yeah, but that was really it for that time frame. Yeah, And I remember, because I was... I grew up, I'm, I'm an 80s kid, You know, I was born in 84, so I didn't hit comics until the 90s. Right. And I can look back, and I have fond memories, like I, I read my, uh, uh, like Chris Claremont had, had sure. X-Men, he yeah. had some Wolverine, I have my Wolverine comics, I have some Spider-Mans, And image started in the 90s. Yeah. But the 90s are generally described as one of the worst periods of time oh, sure. for comic books. Yeah. And I look back on some of them and I go, yep, they yeah. really were. So being in a comic book store in that time, did you, uh, and having one now, do you notice like a difference other than just obviously the, you know, the clothing that people are wearing, but did you notice a, a difference in kind of uh, the surge? Was it as popular then as it is? Well, now is a weird time. But.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. It was. It is definitely an interesting time because the '90s were the the beginning of what is kind of the speculator age. Like people were buying comics as bonds. Basically, they're buying Death Superman not because they really wanted to see the story. I mean, some people were, yeah, but a lot of them were buying it because they're like my kid's going go to college off this. Which, of course, <laughs> do, everyone was buying it. No, no one in line now. was like. If everyone here is going to have a copy of this, nobody's going to college off of it. And people still don't know that. Yeah. Um, but it was like an, an image started. And I remember we had a list on our counter of every image number one that was coming and a constantly changing date because they were late all the time. Oh, all the time. But it was like that was the excitement. When, 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 when is Wildcats number two coming out? When, yeah. is, when is the next issue of Spawn? Like that was huge. And it was this big surge of interest. And the interesting thing was I'd always been a Marvel DC kid. Sure. An Image sort of drifted me off of just Marvel and DC. And I think it did that for a lot of people. It did. And then that also meant that I was exploring the other indie stuff and the other non-traditional superhero stuff at that point. And what that means is that while I was also reading the really terrible, like X-Men got real bad in the oh, movies. real bad. And some of the really awful art on play. Even Peter David's like great Hulk run. had really bad art in yep. that period. Even though I was oh. reading some of that stuff because I love superheroes, I was also reading the – I was reading Bone – Yeah. And I was reading, you know, Strangers in Paradise showed up at the tail end of all that. And there was, uh, there's other stuff I wasn't reading like Thieves and Kings, but there was a renaissance of like indie, there was an indie black and white boom driven by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out.
0: Right. That was, that was late eighties. Yeah. Early nineties. Yeah. And they were originally black and white, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And then when the color, they all had the red.
1: when they had the different, yeah. They they had the red and then they changed the colors for the cartoons. Right. Which is
0: where I grew up. I grew up on the cartoon show and then I didn't realize there was a comic book until I mean, probably like late nine, really late nineties, where I was like, "Oh, this has been out for how long?" Oh, because sure. One of my yeah. favorite like things to remember is from childhood all the action figures. i would seen every episode. I still have some VHS tapes of the original um, cartoons. Not yeah. to mention the original movie, which was weirdly the first movie, at least that I can remember, that I ever saw in theaters. Oh, was, wow! <laughs> which was I was like six years old, right when I wow. came yeah, yeah, it came out. Yeah, was in Florida. Weirdly, we're on vacation. Okay. Um, but okay. Go on, uh, we, you, you found Image, you found your love for indie stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: and so I was reading stuff like Starman and Sam and Mystery Theory and Vertigo came out in the 90s and that was like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's not just superheroes, no. there's fantasy and crime. And yeah. Vertigo and, changed comics. Oh, for sure, it, it made a huge difference. Yeah. And it definitely, for me, it was like all of a sudden I realized I didn't just love the superhero genre. I, I do, I have a huge love for superhero genre to this sure. day, but I discovered a love for crime comics and it wouldn't be later till i discovered a love for crime novels and crime movies but sure. that was definitely what drove me into it and also like the fantasy and sort of the neil gaiman's urban fantasy and all yep. that kind of stuff so the expansion of genre meant that when i left that job when i left college um i was a comics reader who read everything you know as i wasn't just reading marvel dc i was reading everything and that also meant that i couldn't just buy I had to find a comic shop when I moved to yeah, Austin yeah, um, and I did and I shopped several different stores trying to find one that was a good fit for me because i had been working in a store and now I was buying and it's very different being a customer and being behind the counter yes yes you have is. different privileges as to what comes in you can if you're if you own a comic store if you work in a comic store you can read almost anything yeah because there you can read it you're gonna find a copy of it. like but if you're a customer you're gonna miss stuff and even if there's stuff sitting in people's pull boxes, you don't get to go by the counter and read that copy. That's somebody else's copy,
0: you know? But, <laughs> I hey, love that that happens. Yeah. Oh, all, all the time. Oh, I've known about that yeah. for ages. Yeah.
1: Uh I mean you're like, well, I want to read this. We don't have it. It's coming back in like three weeks when the printing comes <laughs> in. I want to read it now. Yeah. Well, this guy isn't in. I'm gonna read his copy. Yeah, it's,
0: it's what happens. I walked in on uh my uh my guy back home, and I grew up in Wilmette just outside of Chicago, and uh I'd been going there for 20 years, same comic book store, uh comics gallery with an X. Yeah. And uh I, I walked in, I was like, Oh nice, I, I got that one in my file. He goes, No, well, this is your file. <laughs> and he Yeah, I didn't care. I was like, that's hilarious, <laughs> give it to me.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I'm not
0: one of those people who are like, Don't touch my comics, like yeah. it's worth something I know that half the comics that I read yeah. aren't worth a dime barely yeah. the paper they're printed on half these times right. especially in five years from now right so that's I love that that still happens and oh yeah for sure way back in the day all right so you're in college uh, you so, moved to Austin so I
1: moved to Austin and I got a regular job um, and
0: how many comic stores were here in Austin when like I
1: it? moved here and this is only what I knew uh, Dragon's Air was in existence awesome okay. what year uh, this was this was 1996 okay Oh, damn. so dragons Lair was around Austin books was around although I didn't know about it sure um, and then there were probably a couple others I know the one I was shopping at was book source which is long since gone okay but it was over where Lake Creek out Lake Creek what was once Alamo but is now like Lake Creek cinema sure like it was in that shopping center it was right by my parents house where I was living with my parents after college and so I shopped at that one for a while and then I shopped at Big State Comics which also is gone
0: yeah
1: uh, used to be over by King's Hobby I'm trying to think if that was... That might have been all that I knew about. There may have been more, but that was probably all there was at that point. Okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, from there, I, I, tr- I transitioned from Book Source to Big State to eventually Dragon Slayer.
0: Okay. And they're in the same location?
1: Um, Dragon Slayer was, was in one of their... Dragon moved about three times since I was shopping there. Oh, wow. Because they're huge, right? They're like huge.
0: The massive.
1: So at this port. point, and I don't know if you know this... They were on. They were in a house on 34th Street. I did not know that. That's they were, pretty cool. They were in a location that was actually a house. It was like a, it was like a house that you went in, and they had like an old the comics. Yeah, like half of it was comics, half of it was games, and it was this really cramped. Like if you happen to go in there on Friday nights when it was Magic Night, because it was Magic was starting to become a thing. Yeah. There would be Magic players playing Magic all over the floor. Like you had to step around like landmines to get to the comics. <laughs> That's classic. Um, but. Dragons Slayer was really supportive of indie comics and that kind of thing so I found stuff like stray bullets that I would never have mm. seen if they hadn't had all the issues in and um, at this time I discovered uh, From I think from a friend of mine probably back at the college um, someone used to bring in these printouts of people talking about comics and it was like he brought in this printout of Alan Moore's Twilight of the gods which mm. was his watchman follow-up project Fascinating. Which never happened. Yeah. But it was a pitch that got out there on this thing called the internet, <laughs> which at this point was not a thing. It was on well, yeah, no. it was on news groups, which are these you had to figure out how to get into them. You had, to, you had to download a reader on your computer. It was all text. It was just people posting things. And I became a fan and became a member of uh, it was Rec Arts Comics was what it was called Rec R E C Com- Recreation dot Arts dot Comics. All right. And you would go in there and you would post and it was kind of like message boards you would go in and post and people could respond and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and there were people doing reviews of comic books mm-hmm. and so i started reviewing comic books
0: oh you started posting and doing all. The i started reviews posting and,
1: and doing reviews good man i like um, to hear that and i did that for quite a while and when i started shopping at dragon slayer david wheeler the owner who i got to know a little bit because david's a really gregarious guy sure uh, and he gets to know his customers especially his customers who at that point are spending God only knows how much money I was spending a week, but I was well, I was definitely one of the guys who came in and bought the people that I love now. I'm like, I know this guy's going to be here every Wednesday. I know they're going to spend a lot of money. Yep. And yeah. I know that they're going to order what they want and they're going to buy what they want. Like that. I that they're going to what they order, they're going to buy and they're going to buy me more, more stuff. Like it's they're my favorite kind of customers. Good. And so I was that customer for a long time. And so when he started getting these Marvel and DC first look packs, there was this. This again was prior to the internet being a big thing. Mm-hmm prior to the World Wide Web, prior to images being easily available and that kind of thing, Marvel and DC would send out packets each week via FedEx of a copy of each comic that was coming out the next week. That's cool. I See, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was called the, it was called the Marvel First Look Program. Marvel started it. Hmm. And David was like, hey, if I start giving you these, because I was basically getting the comics, going home, reading them, and reviewing them the same day. Hmm. These came in two days earlier, or maybe I think it was the Friday before. Like, it was, I got like a whole week jump on, on comics. Oh, wow. And he said, if I give you these each week, will you, you know, borrow them uh, and then put up the reviews in the store? Oh, wow. And it was a great offer. I was like, yeah, of course, fantastic. <laughs> so I would go, read everything I would go every Antoine Friday, I got to read a bunch of comics for free. I mean, I didn't, they, I didn't keep them. They went back right. to the store, but I got to read a bunch of comics. I, w- I got to read a much, much wider breadth of what I would have been able to read on my own and then i would supplement it with stuff i was buying but i was basically reviewing a lot of marvel and dc stuff and at that point at age 25 26 whatever that was right. i could write like a demon okay i could write 15 or 20 reviews in a week uh in a day really i was writing i was that's, that's i was i was 15 or 20 comics a week so and i can
0: never review comics for me personally <laughs> because it i each issue isn't the whole story i right. mean it's a little episode but i need i need more like i've done um, movie reviews and yeah, stuff i yeah. i've typed up my own stuff and did you know verbal ones or whatever because that's a whole story and i can kind of get behind it but right. i can't my mind can't comprehend i'm like i liked it i enjoyed the art I like that like that's yeah, that would, that would yeah. be mine. I'd be like, shit. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. So
1: I um, I think to you. for whatever reason, yeah, it was it was something I could do, and I think because I've been reading for comics for so long, I could see the pieces, and also things weren't quite as serialized as they are now. There were still sure. issues that were a little bit single issue, you know, telling a story, and so um, as I was doing that, I uh, I started reviewing comics, and eventually my um, a, a news site or a website. This is a, quite a few years later out of New York, called Sylum, P-S-Y-L-U-M, okay. was a magic site. They did magic, pro, magic t- tournament pro coverage, that kind of thing. And one of their editors was a fan of my reviews, which I had started posting. I skipped a step. I uh, I went from posting on Usenet to by building a website when the web became a thing. And I had yeah. my own little website called Snap Judgments. Okay. That was the name of my review column. Clever. Um, and... I had gotten a couple of people writing with me. Uh, somebody was running X-Files reviews. Somebody was running Batman the Animated Series reviews. And it was like a little mini website we were doing. Now, we were making no money on this because this was before the time of monetization. Sure. It was just a, it was just a, a, a hobby. And uh, I got it reached out to, there was a big comic site that still exists, but it's kind of lost its luster of, called Comic Book Resources. I know it. Uh, I was friends with Jonah uh, Weiland, who is the head of that site. Okay. And he at one point reached out and was like, hey, let's bring Snap Judgments over to Comic Book Resources and I'll give you, I think it was like maybe $100 a month. for." And I'm like, that's great. Yeah, I'm making none of that. This is fantastic. So we started working all the transition for that. And then I got an offer from someone running the asylum and they said, hey, we want to have a comic site for our site. We want to do PsyComic. We want you to be our editor-in-chief. Move to New York and come run the site for us. My reviewing partner was a guy named Don McPherson, lived up in Canada. We'd met a couple times at conventions, but I'd never really hung out with him much. But basically, as far as the staff goes, I reached out to Don first thing and was like, "Come be my assistant editor." Okay. And so Don and I were doing this one-two punch, Cisco and Eber the internet, which is what Warren Ellis called us at one point. <laughs> um,
0: Wait, Warren Ellis said that about you?
1: Yeah. Wow, that's. Yeah, um, yeah. I had, I had. There was a point in which I was, I was semi-famous on the internet. That's you pretty know? awesome, man. Um, and so. Uh, we we put together this comic site in New York. I moved there. My wife we had gotten married about six months before, and I was like, "Hey, how do you feel about <laughs> moving everything to New York?" And I know we just started our life
0: together again. <laughs> yeah, but we're gonna start it over. So well. uh,
1: still with my wife, by the way, which tells you that she's pretty great. Yeah. Um. Go. But yeah, so we we went out to New, we went to live in we lived in New Jersey because we were just like it was it was rapid fire. We Got it out of out there. Had to have them scout our apartment for us. So i lived there for a little while and i ran this comic site psycomic all right and i shopped at jim hanley's universe and midtown comics and some of the biggest comics shops in the world
0: midtown is one of if not the largest comic shops in the country
1: yeah and so i got to see like what that kind of shop looked like and how that kind of thing run and at at what the same year time, was that this would have been in 1999-2000 what
0: was it what was that shop like 20 years ago oh man
1: it was um it was two levels well it was, one, it was one level you had to go up the stairs to get to it but it was you got in there and it was just huge it was this big area they had statues everywhere uh walls of comics and then if you go up to the top they had back issues and stuff okay
0: have it has it changed much have you been man, back there? i haven't
1: been back in probably 15 20 years it's been a while Damn.
0: i'd be interested to see how much has changed from then. i'm
1: sure it's it's huge i oh, bet but this finding these stores that were just gigantic was was kind of a revelation. So I got to see how the big boys do it. Sure. And you know I'd always I'd also visited Colorado. I so went to actual Malhi Comics, which is another one of the big shops. And I'd That's been amazing. to San Diego Comic Con for about ten years. So okay. like I did, I'd, I'd seen all the sides of comics, and I knew some writers, I knew some artists. I did do a like one or two small comics for for friends, like little anthologies. Nothing really good. Sure. But a couple little things that I got published, and got to see all the different sides of comics, and that was fun. And then, uh, as dot .coms do, it busted. Sure. And I moved back to Austin, because I did not like New Jersey, and I missed Austin terribly. Well, no. New Jersey is terrible. It is. Yeah. yeah. I knew people in New Jersey. They're wonderful people. Sure. The yeah. whole
0: state as a whole, I'm, I'm good. I'll take a rain check.
1: So I got back here, and I was reviewing comics for what was then Comics Newsarama. They hired me and Don remotely to do right. what we had been doing for Psychomic, do the review side. Okay. So I had about six more months of doing that for them before they also imploded because it was the internet and it was the boom yep. and the bust. Yep. And while I was doing that job, which was kind of a part-time job, David Wheeler reached out to me because I'd started shopping at Dragon's Lair again. Good. He's like, how would you like a badly playing, paying part-time job? <laughs> and I was like, yes, absolutely. Because I had worked at a comic shop in, I don't know, 10 years at that point, something okay. like that. Maybe only five. But, but I So I went to work at Dragon's Lair. Um, and started working in a comic and game shop for the first time because I had never worked in a comic and game shop I yeah. had always been a comic guy whose gaming was just it was always a hobby of mine Was
0: it a, was it still diamond? Uh
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was diamonds monopoly thing happened in the in the late 90s early 2000s yeah, what I
0: and it's the same they own the vendor who does the games as well don't they
1: they do they own alliance which is the big game distributor yeah. however there are still other game distributors.
0: yes that is true but um, comics is
1: but between. comics is just diamond there's nobody else yeah marvel, like two, marvel
0: but they're indie yeah and, and not. it's
1: it's not the same thing no, yeah not at all marvel kind of took that over and and, and helped uh help diamond game monopoly by trying to start something that competed with diamond and failing utterly yes <laughs> uh so yeah it's it's that's diamond is a whole. You do a whole series of <laughs> yeah, I'm about sure you could of diamond. So I was working for for David Wheeler for a while, and I became friends with uh, David Farabee, who was one of the other employees there. Okay. Uh, we have a lot in common on uh, comics tastes and movie tastes and all that kind of stuff. We became really good friends. Okay. And I was working there for uh, a couple of years. I worked on 911. I have very vivid memories of Damn. working at Dragon's Lair 911. Not a lot of business that day. No. Um, but that is also how I remember that that was the year, 2001, that David was expanding into Round Rock. Okay. Uh, he had already, I think, already purchased a San Antonio store and uh, he was running the Dragon's Lair San Antonio. And he decided he wanted to expand up to Round Rock. So he needed someone to run it. And David Farabee was tapped to be manager. Okay. And I said, I would like to be assistant manager. So I was. Excellent. So Dave and I, uh, with David sort of setting everything up, but really David wasn't involved heavily in the day to day. Dave and I set up that store and kept it running. We were the ones who were mostly involved with the hiring and firing when that occasionally had to be done. Uh, we we had a staff that we you know we took care of, and we were basically the we were basically the guys. I mean, David was the money guy, and once a month we would go down to Austin and we would order with him, like order comics with him sure. and order games through him, but. We were basically running the store. And so we did that for a while. Uh, I guess we did that for about six years, or five or six years. Okay. So in 2006, David was starting to make noises. His, his then wife was wanting to move to New Mexico for her allergies. Um, she kind of wanted out. She wanted him to be out of all this. He had had a uh, failed store in San Marcos. He tried to expand just like Ramrock Rock and it didn't do as well because just wasn't as much of a growth area. No, none. And so that didn't work. And then I think the stress of like having a store fold under him and just managing three stores was just too much. And he was like, he kind of, I think, it was like, I, I'm ready to retire from all of this. Okay. And so he was going to sell the stores. And I told him at that point when I started to hear about it, I was like, hey, if you do ever decide to sell the store, Uh, Please give me first refusal if that's possible because I would like a chance to buy it sure so he came to me in late 2006 and We started working out a deal and as it happened uh, My son was gonna be born in 2007. So my wife was pregnant with our second kid and we needed a bigger house So we moved from North Austin to further North Austin and got a bigger house, but when you do that in Austin I'm not sure if it's still true, but you move further north. It's cheaper
0: yeah, it's roughly Phil. So true. I
1: had some money that I could use to bankroll a loan. That I could oh, use nice. so I needed a, I needed a big chunk of money to throw in to get a loan to buy Dragon's Lair North from from David. Okay. And I did. We had a loan that was a five year loan to pay off. Sure. And um, and I bought Dragon's Lair Ramrock and I changed the name. Uh, it was very very nearly called Local Heroes. Not a uh, bad name. And then I discovered there was a webcomic based out of Austin called Local Heroes. Eh, and I felt like cluster. I might step on somebody's toes. And I just wasn't quite feeling it. And then I came up with Rogues Gallery. I like that. Uh, which now I can't imagine it being anything else. It's just it's it's a throw it's a it's a reference to several things. One is that some sort of comic and game store and a nerd store like Rogue Squadron from Star Wars. Sure. The rogue is a class in D and D. And of course Super, Spider-Man, Batman, Flash all have their Rogues galleries. Yep. So it was. It was. It had a lot of geeky reference, and um, and as a result, that was the name: Rose Gallery Comics and Games. And we we took over in February of two thousand seven.
0: Nice, Yeah, I definitely like the name when I first heard that that's what it was called. I was like, that's just perfect Yeah, like, it just is it hits it hits all the notes you talked about my first Inclination was definitely like oh Batman cuz yeah, he's the most famous rogues. Gallery. Sure. I'm a big fan of the sinister sticks so I'm a spider-man kind of guy. Sure. I know and it's funny cuz flash is known for having a rogues gallery. Yeah, not like historically, not the most intimidating. Right, right. Gallery. Some depends on who's writing them. Depends on the way. I love certain flash ones. I love the Jeff Johns runs. Yeah, Jeff did. Johns. Really, Mark Wade. Re, yeah, really rebooted everything. Mark Wade was fantastic. It was just
1: sometimes you're like, oh,
0: Mirror Master. Okay. <laughs> Mirror
1: Master, Captain Cold, yeah. uh, Weather Wizard. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> the names are terrible. Yeah. Like they're yeah. like they're like all right, we've done Batman. Shit! You know? <laughs> like, yeah, let's just take the names and change them a little bit and yeah. stuff like that. But but you get the
1: right writers and you get the right artists. And Captain Cold was awesome during yeah. the uh, J- John's Collins run.
0: He was. He really so was.
1: That actually brings something up. We um, in in developing the name of the store, we also wanted a mascot. So we got two artists that we knew to design for us. Uh, Christian Donaldson, who's a Dallas-based artist who has done a few comics. He hasn't done anything in a long while, but okay. he did some comics with Brian Wood. He worked on some of the DMZ that, that Brian Wood oh, did. Shit. Uh, he designed our logo, which I love. It's, yeah, it's a good. He did a great job on it, and I, and I love it. He designed our logo on our business cards and the color scheme and that kind of thing. He did all that work for us. Brilliant. And then we wanted a a uh, a mascot, and so we came up with this guy, Max Larch. And there's a story behind the name Max Larch. <laughs> but um, he is our rogue. He's our store rogue. He has this, like, red jacket and a red fedora and a briefcase uh, handcuffed to his wrist and an eye patch and a yellow tie and he's like this guy on the running like a little scruffy beard like he's a guy on the run he's like an Indiana Jones yeah. kind of guy and very that noir. was that was designed very noir no. uh, and that was designed for us by Scott Collins who was the artist in the flash
0: yes oh, he was shit. he
1: was a friend and he and you lived know everybody and so I reached out and asked him if I if he would do it for a, what was really probably a pittance of his rate and he did that as a favor and since then we've had other people Other artists I know draw it for us every now and then. We've had different versions. We had Matt Frank, who's a Godzilla artist who's based here in Austin, did a Kaiju version or an Ultraman version of him for us. That's awesome. And uh, we've had a friend do like a fantasy rogue version of it. We've had other people do different versions. We had a post-apocalyptic one done by Paul Mayberry, who's another artist, an Austin artist. And so we've got different ones. And we start putting them on stickers and that kind of thing. And so he's got a little bit of a... Feel, but really, you have to be kind of a Royce Gallery super fan of someone who's worked there to know the name Max Lark. Like it is not something we we promote that heavily because it's just <laughs> we've tried and never quite caught on. So that's just okay. yeah, that's our guy. Well, I
0: dig it. I, I like it. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, you do know a lot of people. I grew up uh, in Chicago uh, and I was around some of the people, the artists out there, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Darrow, yeah, uh, lives in the era, uh, Angel Medina's out there, mm-hmm. Paul Mounce is out there. Like I know I've met some of these people, and if, for whatever reason, they do end up ever listening to this um you know i'm not gonna say that i know them really sure, well yeah um but like i've run into him i got to a point because i did conventions and everything and, and i got to know medina and i'd walk up and he'd be like oh hey how's it going and yeah he knew i had a little indie booth over there and we would do our thing and we'd chat and like uh mounts uh was a wonderful person very strange guy but i love him to he's, <laughs> he's fantastic so it's really cool that you get tapped into uh, a lot of the local artists yeah um because that's a lot of what i'm trying to do is just trying to Show everybody Austin, the yeah. nerd side of Austin, which, yeah. is, which is here. And I've only been here for three years. Um, I've shopped at uh, Austin Books and Comics, which sure. is a pretty big one. I like it. Yeah. It's a huge they're, back issue. They're
1: definitely the 100-pound gorilla of the, of the town.
0: Yeah, they definitely yeah. are. Um, I used to live right around the corner from Tribe Comics and Games, which I love yeah. the people down there. Yep. Uh, I love the books. Uh, and then I've been to your store only yeah. once or twice, um, <clears throat> which I need to get to more because I live not too far away. <laughs> I've just been really behind on my comics. I get that. Um, like, I got a stack. Like, if anyone, <laughs> if, if this were video, it's like a foot. Like, it's practically <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so, how many stores, other than the ones I've mentioned, uh, would you say there are in this area? I think that, and then obviously Dragon's Lair.
1: Dragon's Lair, yeah, for sure. They're um, like a
0: more. They have a lot of comics, and I've been in there once. It's really it, now where I am. It's not too far. I used to live far south, so it was really yeah. hard for me to get there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've been in there once, and it was almost intimidating. It was yeah. very clean. Yeah, everybody had these green polos on. Yeah, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but it really felt like a Best Buy, but it, like for nerds. <laughs> that's that was that was
1: that was David's sort of, uh, and David doesn't know it anymore. It's it's uh, Angie is the one who owns it now, okay. uh, but. David was always a you know employee uniforms kind of thing sure. and a little more corporate. Like he liked he liked being independent, but I think in his heart of hearts he wanted the he liked the idea of comics being a little bit more of a like the idea of a chain of comic stores around the world was always something intriguing to him. He he did uh, franchise Dragonslayer for a little while. I don't know if he still is, hmm. but he didn't quite, quite fully get out of the game. He was franchising Dragonslayer. I believe there was one up in Portland at one point. I don't know. I don't think any of them were still around, but. So like he was wanting to franchise and I think that probably created some that codified like uh, employee uniforms and signage and that kind sure, of thing. Sure, just
0: kind of make it all universal yeah. wherever you and go.
1: Dragon's Area is kind of a nerd emporium like you go in there and they've got pops and all the you know the tchotchkes Everything. and all that stuff and as well as a giant selection of board games and role playing Huge games selection of board games. Warhammer 40K and they have a lot of in-store gaming that's a thing they've always done. Like it is it is a juggernaut. It is we're it is weird to own a store in Round Rock, which is really pretty close to Austin. I mean, we're about half an hour outside, yeah, maybe. You're not far. Uh, but it is weird to be that close to, like, I feel like I run a top-notch store. I absolutely feel like I, I have an A-list store. I think you do, too. However, we will always be the younger brothers to people like Dragons are and Austin Books because they are such a phenomenon. And it's occasionally a little weird to be like, huh, it's cute that I'm doing this this store that would be the store in a smaller town but it definitely feels like I'm the niche store uh to these big giants because we have these giants and then Austin is blessed to have that and Tribe's the same way Tribe is an A1 Eisner worthy store I would agree I know those guys I worked with those guys at Dragon Slayer
0: Yeah I mean that's um, what I've heard and I want to talk to them at some point Yeah they they're they're
1: them. great um and uh they they run an A1 store as well but We are always going to be – we always get the reviews of, like, it's a cute little shop. And I'm like, I'm 3,000 square feet. Don't call me little. What's (laughs) wrong with you? You have a large shop.
0: Uh, The one I went to uh, growing up was – man, I don't even know square. It was tiny. Like, you could walk in and I could – it was probably 20 feet wide and, Mm -hmm. like – Maybe 60 feet, 70 feet deep at most. Yeah. And it was like a quarter of that was the back room. And yeah. it had you had literally just Marvel DC, you had your independence, you had like a corner of, uh, action figures yeah and he had like some you know cards under the glass and then the the, the table uh full of just uh um, you know old vintage comics and that was it yeah and i loved it and that was that's what i love and that's why i really love your story like i like austin books and comics i like dragons Land. i'm not going to say anything bad about sure it because no. you, you know we all like, like i said they're, they're amazing yeah they are and i think as far as austin books and comics goes it does still have that kind of like homey feel yeah. which i like yeah yeah I like your store because it has it holds that homey feel. Yeah. But it is it it feels much more like What's the word? Uh, it, it's just—it's a fantastic store. You cater to like everybody. You walk in, you've got that uh, that 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 display of action figures oh, at yeah. the top, yep. which I think is fantastically—you like, yeah. don't see stuff like that laying yeah. around in, in in stores anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and you've got like your wall of comics, which like you have your new releases and everything. And then the back half is where the games are, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's I think it's—it's it, just—it's well maintained. There was this one place I grew up by. Uh, uh, Phoenix Comics, and we always yeah. called it Home Slice because he, he, we was like, oh, you gonna go to Home Slices? Because he took zero care. He had like eighty of one comic. He would right. just get it all. And, yeah, like it, we, we all swore that if there were to like drop an ember. And that thing would go up in flames. Like there was, <laughs> it, you had to like step over comics and over boxes yeah. to get to the other stuff. I'm like, do something. I'm like, how do you do? His inventory was all pad and paper. Oh, yeah, and this was like 2012. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like you got to get a little bit more. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not gonna just Man, you. we
1: we had a computer at in, in 1994
0: <laughs> with Fusion Comics. It, there was no screen. It was all like the old oh, school. Oh, it's crazy. Like he, he did everything on the old school. Uh, that's, remember, uh, that's crazy. Crazy. I was like, I don't know how you're in business. He did eventually go out of business. Sure, yeah. Because, I mean, and especially right now, uh, I want to talk about this. The last, like, five years, we have gone from about, I want to say about 5,000 comic book stores mm-hmm. in, in America. And yeah. I could be pumping up this number a little yeah. bit. Maybe it was 3,500. Uh, and it's about 1,000 to 2,000 of them have closed. Yeah, because last, last I heard it was about 3,000 3, shops. Yeah. yeah, and it's been... It, it's been weird because you have this huge pop culture phenomenon going on. Like right. being a nerd is suddenly socially acceptable, mm-hmm. enjoying comics, going to see these movies, watching all these CW shows. Like it is so mainstream yeah. that most people are like, Oh, the comic book world must be thriving. It is sadly kind of plummeting. And I, uh, I'll say it, I'm going to go with it's Marvel's fault, uh, <laughs> because from what I understand, and you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong, or you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, uh, they kind of, all these big events, these big crossover events, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, here's, uh, what was the last one? Um, the Realm with Thor. And War of the thing. Realms. World, yeah. War of the Realms. I didn't read it. I don't care much for these things anymore, because they're all very just overpadded with pomp and who cares. Sure. from For me personally, if you love it, enjoy it, please. Uh, but it's um, you buy the main title and then uh, you as a, a yeah. comic shop owner has to by contract, get some of the tie-ins, which if you can cater them is fine. But from what I've heard it's like no you have to buy X amount of these and then they flood the market with their comics. And then all the comic stores are left with all these back issues of the crossover events that nobody actually wanted, because uh, they don't do as well as they used to, because they keep rebranding their their issues every so often. So, so it's kind of that's my take. And again, you don't have to talk shit about one of your distributor people com- people you buy comics from, Marvel oh, Comics. Oh, but, I will. Oh, good. <laughs>
1: but uh, I think it's more complicated than that. That's what. Yeah, I'm over. First, first of scary. all, uh, this is something I think happened, and and i'm definitely it's definitely worrisome like digital comics are a thing very big uh we're not seeing the translation from the giant marvel cinematic universe to the marvel comics you would like you would think that there'd be a at least like a 50 percent scale and it's maybe more like 10.
0: yeah
1: uh that would be great but i do think that comics have been dying since i got into comics sadly i've been hearing that since i've like i've been hearing that this is the last year for comics since i started reading comics at, at the age of like 15. so i think to some extent we're always just primed for it we're always like Waiting for them to go under, but honestly, comics are as a medium are as big as they've ever been. Yeah, I mean, which graphic is weird. graphic novels are a huge thing. And that was a huge game changer. It was. It's just that the weekly comic, as a format, continues to uh, be a tough thing, tough sell, and it keeps getting worse. I keep thinking at some point we're going to see the end of the weekly comic, but I thought we'd see that ten years ago, and we haven't. I yeah. mean, especially with uh, being able to buy it digitally, like if you could yeah. buy if you could buy the digital comics of the Lost Leader and like the graphic novels, wouldn't be great for my business. No, uh, but if you could make the digital comics like a dollar or two dollars or whatever instead of. Three ninety nine, four ninety nine. You might have more people buying them casually for for their for their iPads or whatever. Which
0: I'm finding is very true. I, I yeah. talk to a lot of people, and I'm like, "Oh, are you reading comics?" They're like, "Oh yeah, I read it on my my iPad. Yeah. I did it on a uh, uh, comics holiday. Yeah, they the Marvel, get, or Marvel or Unlimited. Marvel
1: Unlimited is really smart. It's again, it's a nightmare for my business, but basically, people can read whatever they want on their iPad. But for monthly, so a know, lot of people want to read comics, like they want to read physical comics, and apparently that market is still big enough to keep comics in business now I do think that what what caused the decline to some extent was goes all the way back to the 90s oh yeah and the people I blame are the people this the people who speculate on comics the people who saw all the comics from the 70s and 60s that their parents had thrown away and therefore there was a low print run they were like oh action comics worth how much well if I get if I get the right comic I can I'll be set for life and so instead of buying comics they liked to read or that they thought the stories were good they bought comics they thought were going to be worth something. And then they mm. weren't. And they got burned out. And they felt burned by the by comics. And they stopped reading them. And so started shitting all over the industry. And they, they were like, comics, yeah. What are comics for, for kids? I bought comics for years. I never, they were never worth anything. I got a bunch of boxes of worthless comics. But the thing is, if you have boxes of Starman and Legion of Superheroes and, and Grendel and that kind of thing, those aren't worthless comics. Like, no. even if you can't sell them. The worth is in the stories. It is. And I think that is one of the things that it distresses me so much is that I think a lot of people they don't want to buy comics just to enjoy the stories. Nobody watches TV and goes, well, I'm gonna watch uh I'm gonna watch The Outsider and then I'm gonna sell uh my memories of the episode and get my money back. You're investing your time, you're investing your money in HBO and you're investing your time and you're investing your money in the creators, and what you're getting back is the pleasure of a story well told. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that that is missing and that that's a really hard sell because we've been sold for decades that comics are collectibles. They're not story... It's not a storytelling medium. It's a collectible medium.
0: And, uh, yeah, uh, that I think is 100% true. Uh, And it's sad because I... When people ask me if I'm a comic collector, I go, I'm a comic reader. Yeah. Like, I read my comics. I have, yes, I have some that I went out of my way. I'm looking for specific issues of things that I want to have for my collection. I don't buy things to resell them. I've sold a couple, and I'll admit I had, like, a a number two issue of Daredevil. Yeah. And it was, I call it a sneezer, uh, because I look for reader copies. Yeah. I don't look for collector's copies. But I had a sneezer, and it was, I was like, I, I went through it a couple times. I liked having it. I knew the story, but daredevil tv show came out yeah i was like all right i bought this for two dollars someone wants to buy it for 250 yeah go ahead like you can have it i'd give i took pictures and everybody knew what they were getting yeah the the guy was very happy and and, and grateful but i you know and that's what i think about my collection is like it's not so much a collection as like these are things that i've enjoyed and read and i want to keep and i and i've donated a bunch of my stuff because i'm like i want other people to read them they're the ones that i don't really care if i reread um, but I want new readers. I want right. new people to come in and, and if it means they go find their local comic book store and, and wherever they are and they go buy comics, that you know that's a win for right. me for comics in general.
1: And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I'm sure I have, I have New Mutants number 98, the first appearance of Deadpool and I sold it when the Deadpool movie came sure. out. Sure. You probably got a pretty yeah, penny. got a decent money. And, yeah. you know, because I don't, I didn't need the single issues I had the stories in collections yeah or in the case of something like New Mutants it was Liefeld art that I just had no interest in ever reading again what you know? whatsoever so I, I am definitely not saying that people shouldn't resell comics or anything uh, but it definitely is, is distressing when someone comes in and they buy comics they buy they want to buy a copy of a comic not because it's good but because they heard online from various sites that this is gonna be hot there's a new character introduced and then someone who wanted to read it and love it doesn't get to read it that kind of happened um...
0: Not exactly, but they did that uh, uh, Obama run. It's like yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 400. yeah. And they had Obama on the cover. And mm. I got the first printing. Uh, and I, my comic book guy, Vern, um, I was like, I, I'm reading it anyway. This is in my po- weekly pull list. Yeah. I didn't ask for any special treatment. He's like, I got you a regular, and I got you the, the Obama cover. Oh, nice. He's like, do what you will with it. I'm yeah. like, I, I might still have it. I might have sold it. I don't really know. I don't. You know, I'm not a political person. So I'm like, I appreciate that. I'll probably make a penny off of it. I think I did. But it's like, that went to fifth printing. Yeah. And I'm like, you are flooding this industry. And everyone's buying it because, like, it's a collector's item. I'm
1: like, no. They're on fifth, sixth, seventh printing. it's not worth anything anymore. People have started to learn that lesson. The collectors usually come out first printing only. And then they do the extra printing to the people who want to read it. Which is good. It used to be that if you missed a book... You were screwed.
0: Yeah, that's like
1: it. Uh, with but with new print with them doing more aggressive printings and then getting trade paperbacks out. If you miss a story, you haven't missed it forever. And also with the online market, like if you missed a story, you can read it that week if you're willing to read it digitally. Yeah, which is dangerous for my business to be honest. It's, it is. A little, it's a worry, but it's been that way for I don't know five years Something at least, three, yeah. and it hasn't really impacted us. So I think that digital and, and physical paper comics are sort of parallel, not competitive. Yeah,
0: I, I would agree. I've done some digital comics. Yeah. I don't think that they're... I don't like them as much. I, Especially... Okay, so... Uh, uh, I'm an optician, uh, okay. we're literally sitting in my office yes, right now uh, where I sell glasses and the whole blue light filter has come up a billion times in the last three years and I'm getting real tired of it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, with everybody looking at their phones and doing all that, uh, they're on a the computer, I go from a computer at home to a computer uh, at work to you know my phone on the interim right. and everything. Yeah. It really is kind of affecting our eyes and so I feel and myself, I try and push people away from it. From two points of view, I think people should buy paper uh, yeah. uh, comics. I think it's great for the industry. Keep it alive because if you don't, it may die and yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. And two, it's not great for your health yeah. <laughs> to, to be staring <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a screen and, and going through that and having to read such fine text. Yeah. and like try, and Especially if you're a reader like me where I'm like, I'll read it and then I'll go back and I'll look at all the detail in the art and I'll right. see everything. Like uh, the Grant Morrison current run, I don't know if you still on it, I'm that far behind, of uh, the GL, Green yeah. Lantern. Yeah with um Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp. Uh, and I think the two of them <laughs> fit perfectly for this run. Yeah, uh, Love Morrison. Hate him. He's very hit or miss. Yeah, He's yeah. very stream of consciousness. Sure, and yeah. I think it's great for his sci-fi stuff. But I go back and I look at all those drawings and it's so intricate and cool and fun. To do that on my phone, to do that on my tablet. You can do them on TVs now, but right. it's not the same. It yeah. doesn't look the same. It feels different. So read your comics. Get out there. Buy your comics. Uh, definitely go to Rogue's Gallery, obviously. <laughs> go get your comic books there um i want to touch a little on kind of what you're reading right now like what are you into and again remember yeah i'm going to tell everybody uh, that's listening this is being recorded in february probably released sometime in march so if this is a little dated don't worry but general uh reads uh recommendations uh if you need any more uh you know hit me up in the comments Find that. Otherwise, what are you reading right now?
1: So uh, I'm looking at my best of 2019, which I'm. You, you can take the review out of the comic review game, but you can't. I I love making comic lists, so I have okay. a blog that I post on just personally, and I track what I read every every year. And so looking at like what was what's really was was big for me last year and what I'm still into. Okay, uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run. Ooh. is fantastic. It is fantastic, and it's Daredevil's one of these characters who Daredevil. He's a good character. Yeah, but he's basically he's like he's like a blind vigilante. He's not that different from something like batman or the shadow or the phantom or like he's the, he's a pulp character in a lot of ways he's yeah. not a big superhero character yeah. but he's had so many good runs from oh, so frank miller to um brian bendis to ed brubaker and <laughs> brubaker's you know, run is one of my
0: absolute favorites it's amazing it was, uh, and he was M- Maliev for a little while honestly, yeah wasn't he yeah oh, God, there were so many good runs yeah maliv was on,
1: was on with uh, bendis yeah, yeah. Brubaker. So I have a funny brewbaker story, um, and this is also a speculation where I'm, where I can't I can't say too much bad about speculation, um, because on? right when I bought Rogue's Gallery, mm-hmm. brewbaker was in the middle of his Captain America run. Good run. He had not yet killed him. Ooh! But Captain America twenty five was coming up. Okay. And brewbaker called me up because he saw that I had bought a store. Hey, and man, he, I want to touch on the. Ed
0: Brubaker <laughs> yeah.
1: called you. Yeah, we were we were friends. My, I, I met a lot of guys through comic reviewing, and then oh, met them again yeah. at conventions. And so I was friends with them at the time. So Ed Brubaker calls me, and he's like, "Your numbers are too low on Captain America." <laughs> and I was like, he didn't, "He didn't. He couldn't tell me what was happening, but he's like, trust me, it's going to be big.'" And we I think tripled our numbers on Captain America. Now we still sold out first day.
0: Oh, hands down.
1: But we made a lot more money than we would have if Brubaker had not tipped me off that hey. This is big
0: (laughs) and it's and that's got to be rough because of the internet now like everything you know What's coming all the time, and I think uh, damn who was it? Um, Someone just ended a run Oh, and it was big uh, a couple months ago was Uh, it
1: Tom King's Batman.
0: No, it was an indie comic It it, it was not walking dead. It might have been walking dead It could have been something else where it was just like oh, and by the way that one that I released that was the last issue. That was Walking issue. Dead. Yeah. That and was, you're just like, yeah. that's fucking brilliant. It yeah, never like, happens. And they had solic- ever.
1: they had solicited for their issues like nobody knew. Oh, it knew. was genius yeah.
0: to do it like yeah. that. I'm like, nobody's done anything like that in and, decades.
1: And the speculators jumped on it. Oh, it was insane. And the the nice thing about that, though, was that, and this is a thing that, that you, you can tell a good publisher or good creators by this, is that the they made that announcement um, like a couple months before the final issue was going to come out. mm or, or they, they announced it before. Somehow we knew. Maybe it was the week before. It was like, geez, we had like a it was, little, it, it was not much. It had
0: print. You we were had already a little, ordering.
1: We had a little tiny window. And we knew something was up. They didn't tell us, but we knew something was up. And they were like, hey, this issue of Walking Dead, something big is going to happen. Uh, we thought it was a new character or whatever. So we're giving you full returnability. Ooh. Order as much Shh. as you like. Now, returnability happens. And you can't still money up front. Like you can't you can't order everything returnable at like a thousand copies. That you'd still go to business. But we doubled or tripled our numbers. Still sold out first day. Yeah, I'm sure you did. But we had it because they gave us a little insight, as opposed to what happened last week, as we record this with Batman. Okay. Uh, Batman number eighty nine came out. It was the third part of James Tinian's run, taking over from Tom King. It has been selling middling numbers, decent Batman numbers, uh, but we've been dropping our numbers a little bit. Well, it turns out that they're introducing a new character called Punchline, who is Joker's new girlfriend. Yep, yeah,
0: I read about that today.
1: And she is in one panel at the very end of this. Oh. She's barely in it. But awesome. technically, that's her first appearance. And, that's... and first appearances are worth money. And so the speculators got a hold of it about a week before it came out. then that was the news. And everybody started requesting it. And here's the thing. We couldn't change our numbers. The orders were locked. Yeah, the numbers is, yeah. were out there. So we were getting enough. We, we had five copies for the shelf by the time the, the week actually came. And we had people waiting in line to come and get the, well, we set it one per person. And I'm just thinking, if you guys had told us, if you and DC does returnability, if they had said, this is a big Batman issue, we're making it returnable, bump your numbers. We would have bumped our numbers. We would have sold more. I don't homes. know why
0: they don't. It helps everybody. DC yeah. sells more. Yeah. You sell more, and then you can buy more later. Like, and you just and you sense. can't
1: you can't do it all the time because we can't trust them. If they say if they say every issue is yeah, big crying and make wolf. returnable, then we then we stop. But yeah. the ones that are big, they, that they have a really strong sense to be big. It would have been nice if they would give us returnability, and they don't. And there's definitely that where sometimes you feel like the the publishers are just like, well, this will be good for us because it's going to give us a bunch of heat on Batman. They don't think about well. Not only did we sell out of issue eighty nine, our, our numbers were already locked for issue number ninety, which means that we weren't able to bump that either. Oh, that's rough. so people are going to come back in in two weeks and be like, "You sold a Batman again? How are you sold a Batman again?" And it's like we set these numbers three weeks ago. That's rough. Like we had, we don't have this knowledge, but it looks, it makes us look unprofessional, and that kind of thing is one of the things that happens all the time. In I'm comics. sure it does. Anyway, to get back to comics that I love.
0: Yes, please. Uh, Sorry.
1: So, so Daredevil's great. Um, it just finished its, its new run, but Criminal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Oh, it's
0: been a classic for it's, it's so I, good. And we
1: got it back in 2019, and I was so happy with it. Oh, yeah. And now they're moving. They, Brubaker doesn't stay on things. No. He does two or three years. He finishes it and goes something else. Now he's doing a, a a Western noir with him that's coming out in graphic novel format in a couple months. So, oh, I'm going to get that. Yeah. I get everything he does. Brubaker's one of my favorite guys. Still. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, This is the one, a Black Cat from Marvel. Yeah. It's a it's a cat burglar book. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Was it so? It was the 2019 one? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it had um, what's her name? Wasn't there? who was the artist on it?
1: Oh, um, God, I can't remember who the artist is. It's um, Jed McKay is the writer. Yeah. And I've been really liking his stuff, but I can't remember who the art. I think there's a couple different artists on it. Okay. Um, Immortal Hulk. I know I'm pretty Marvel heavy right now, but that's fine. The Immortal Hulk is great. Okay. Al Ewing's been doing some just like. I want to say it's better than Peter David's run, which it, I think is the high water Uh This is Bruce. It's not well. It's Bruce, but also like the Joe Fixit personalities in there. Right, right. That horn, but it's not yeah. that that kid. It's not the Amadeus Cho. Amadeus no. Cho. Um, die from Image. I don't know that one. So this is Kieran Gillen, who also does Wicked and Divine. Uh, Kieran Gillen did
0: uh, a run. Of, oh no, I'm thinking of Catwoman. Sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, no. Karen Gillan has done. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's uh, he's a British author, yeah. um, and he has done Wicked Divine, which is like a big hit, and Daeus's new book, which is about. It's easily explained. The, the The pitch, short pitch, was Goth Jumanji. Okay. So basically, it's like the kids, the kids, these kids are like teenagers. Go into a and D cartoon style world. Basically, their friend on his one of their teenage one of their fifteenth birthday creates this world, and they go inside of it, and it's like the D and D cartoon. They're in there, but right. they go in there things go wrong one of them gets left behind and they all come out with PTSD from what happened in that world and then this sounds very familiar they have to go back in to Stephen King style 20 years later when they're adults they get back together and they have to go back into this world to save the guy who's left behind
0: that sounds fantastic and
1: it's great it's so good it's beautiful artwork It's <laughs> it really, it's, really does sound like a cross between Stephen King and Stranger Things absolutely which yeah. is
0: like if you're into that it sounds like you'd enjoy this i gonna um, check that
1: out uh, Lazarus, which another one that came back. This is Greg Rucka's sort of yep. po, uh, dystopian future book, which I really love. Uh, wait, that came back? It came back
0: because that was like twenty thirteen,
1: yeah, fourteen
0: when they were. It's a it's a it. new
1: like sixty four page format called Lazarus Risen. It's a like big chunks of story and then big stores six of bat, back matter talking about the world and that kind of stuff. Okay. Rucka's is a gamer. So there's like like an RPG for it. And like he's a guy you can tell, thinks about all the details. Like he he builds his worlds uh, to withstand a lot of scrutiny. Okay. Um, I also really like um, the uh, stuff. One of the books I loved last year was Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man Life Story.
0: Oh man, oh, so good, dude, beautiful, yeah. Oh, just I'm I'm the biggest Spider-Man fan, and reading that, going through the ages, I was like, oh, this is just it was perfect. This is fantastic. Yeah. It's beautifully done, uh, and they have different. Do they have different artists on? No, them? it's Mark Bagley,
1: yeah, '90s I, artist, '90s artist Mark Bagley. Which and by and the
0: he, way, he had the, one of the longest runs on yeah, Spider-Man he did, he did, forever. He,
1: would not have been one of my cho- would not have been my choice. And I think, in fact, the book could have been stronger with a guy like Stuart Eminem or one of those guys. Sure, sure, but. I understand why they chose him, and he did a great job. Yeah,
0: I mean he's classic. He, yeah, I mean, he goes back.
1: No, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm hit or miss on Bagley. Yeah, sure. You
0: know? Yeah, because he did. Didn't he do uh, um, with Bendis Spider Man?
1: Uh, yes, he did yeah. Ultimate Spider Man. Yes, was it the first run or? The it was second. the first one. He co-created Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah. No, was, that was yeah, I mean,
0: and that is one of my favorite tellings. of oh, sure. Spider Man. Yeah, is like. Because when it started, it was just a streamlined version of what we already knew, and mm-hmm. then it created this whole new universe. Yeah, and
1: it's created Miles Morales. I mean, yeah. that's oh, all sprung out of that. Yeah.
0: One of the best Marvel movies. It's not even Marvel, but one of the best Spider Man superhero movies yeah. made to date. But go on. Uh,
1: uh, so the other thing, um, I'm a big fan of Jeff Lemire's work. Okay. Uh, He is doing a book called Black Hammer that I really like that is basically his. Jeff Lemire is a guy who does a ton of work for DC and Marvel now. But when he started this for Dark Horse, he was like, they're never going to let this small town Canadian guy who does comic books about underwater welders and farm town kids. uh, They're never going to let him do a superhero book. So he's like, I'm going to do this book about all my favorite. So he's got this book that's sort of about analogs of uh, Marvel and DC characters. You've got your Martian Manhunter type. You've got your... Mm -hmm. Um, are Shazam, you're, you're Mary, you Mary Marvel. Like all these characters that are obvious nods. They're, they're whole new characters. Sure. But they're nods. He's got Colonel Weird who is sort of an Adam Strange riff. He's got a talking robot. He's, he's basically, Black Camera was like this, this sort of, this, this hero who disappeared fighting the anti-god along with all the other heroes. They, they fought, they fought the anti-god off. They won, they disappeared and they wound up in this sort of strange new reality where they lived in sort of a small town and they hid their powers and their history. Huh. And it's about like what is this town and where are they where are they actually and what actually happened? And it's a mix of superhero homage, just in feeling like James Robinson's Starman. And in fact, there's a mini-series that sort of heavily references Starman. Nice. Uh, he does a Legion of Superheroes riff called Quantum Age. Like he basically is building his own superhero universe with a sort of indie small town feel. I'm all for it. It's it's beautiful, it's really imaginative, and it's it's a fantastic book. And he does like several others. He's he does uh, a book called um, uh, Oh man, I'm blanking on it. He's done. He does some horror books. He does a sci-fi book called Descender. Okay, what's um, his name? Uh, Jeff Lemire. Lemire. Okay. He's a Canadian writer who I, I love pretty much everything he does. All right, I'm gonna check that out. Um, and then uh, the stuff I'm reading right now, I'm trying to think of anything that's jumped out at me this year. It's it's been there hasn't been a ton in the, in the first couple couple months of okay. uh, of 2020. Um, but the the guys who I always watch for the the people that I really like, uh, Tom Taylor. Anything yep. he writes over at DC, uh, like he read his deceased last year, which was their yeah. zombie book, which was a lot of fun.
0: I read something in his a while ago, and it may have just been I picked it up late, but it was I don't remember what it was, but I know the name. I've, yeah. I've read his stuff for sure.
1: He became he got big as an Australian writer. He got big on um, Injustice, which was Injustice. A That's what it is, and it's great. It's a spinoff Injustice from the video game, but great. it's like his his moment to moment character stuff. He writes better than the game. He writes one of the best Green Arrows I've ever seen. Oh yeah, and Green Arrow is one of my favorite characters, so I love I love all of that. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm excited for Saga to come back this year. Yeah, because that's going to supposed be coming back up. I got like um, the first five trades. I got to finish that. Uh, I am uh, I'm looking forward to um, uh, trying to think what else. The Brubaker stuff, obviously, I'm looking forward to that coming out. Anything he does, I'm all for. There's not a lot right on the horizon. I'm I'm sure that there's some other stuff I'm missing, but I have I definitely Marvel and DC are both a little bit off for me right now. Like I have. Off the beaten path books like Black Cat, but I'm not reading like the X Men that everybody loves. I'm not into.
0: I dug it. I stopped reading X Men ten years ago, yeah. and I didn't care for much. I, I picked up like Joss Whedon's run. I picked up, um, I picked up a couple things in there. Yeah, I can't sure. remember them. And then I just was like, this is boring and repetitive. And yeah. he's he. I, I read House of Power, or House of X, Powers of X, yeah. and I liked it. I think it was a little. Convoluted, yeah. Uh, I liked it though. I, I was like, it, it it re-energized the characters a little bit, gave them a little bit more twist. I like that Moira's now a mutant. Oh, I sure, that was kind of cool. Um, I like that it's uh, you know of all these different timelines, and I'm gonna start reading the you know X Men. I really am tr- intrigued by like the Marauders and the spinoffs. Yeah, because I love and like you, I like the the spin off of the stuff yeah, i like yeah. prides i like you know nightcrawler i love not the people that are i don't you know cyclops and jean grey and Wolverine i will always love them right and i'll read Wolverine because he's just one of my favorites my dad bought me that my first comic when i was a kid so i'm always going to love it but i love the weird ones like i love picking up like old just like robin comic books Yeah, which sure. no, everyone's like oh fuck robin i'm like no robin's and you get the right robin and yeah. it's the right
1: uh, especially 90s 90s trim drake robin was great oh he's fantastic yeah. they had a good run so i also think um the uh, the X-Men stuff it's it's ambitious and it changed it, it changed the whole thing and it brought a lot of people in. Which is good. And that's and that's great. Yeah, it's not for me, but I don't think it's bad yeah. by any means. No, it's fine. And, and
0: and I'm the same kind of way. Like I'm it's funny because I want for the last like six years I've been reading indies. I've been trying to read stuff from image because they've right. really come back in the oh, last yeah. couple of years, and I've been trying to do that and then uh, I moved from Chicago to San Francisco to Austin mm-hmm. uh, all within like two years and then in the last three years I've been here I've really have just been falling off my comics and so I was like I want to pick up I want to read some more and I started yeah, yeah. stuff and I'm picking up my Spider-Man which I think there's friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that was Tom Taylor that was Tom Taylor it's a good that, one that ended last year yep that was a good one um, I didn't care for what they're doing in Amazing right now I don't either and so I actually weird. really liked
1: Dan Slott's like 10 year run runway did all this crazy yeah. stuff where Peter Parker got taken over by Octa- Octavius oh it was fantastic and, like that was a great run and yeah. they came back and then he had Red like some yeah them. he had his like um uh you know all of a sudden he was he was a doctor and he had a company yeah. and oh because it, it, was, it was such uh, and it also he was working with Mockingbird who obviously one of my favorite yeah. characters of Marvel and so there was a lot of stuff like that was a great run and then Spencer had to follow it and I actually like Spencer as a writer in general. I thought his Sam Wilson, Captain America was fantastic. It was,
0: it was excellent. But
1: but his Spider-Man is not doing it.
0: Not everybody can do Spider-Man. Yeah. The one thing I didn't like when they were doing like that weekly Spider-Man, yeah. where it was like literally you're getting three Spider-Mans a month. And yeah. It was, you had like Chris Boccolo on half of that. Yeah. And I'm like, stop. Stop <laughs> giving him work. Um, yeah. But, and then, so I, I just, I found myself, though, gravitating towards mainstream i've got miles morales i got yeah. green lantern yeah. um i picked up uh um white knight which i thought was oh, fantastic yeah. Yeah. um you know i and i'm like all right and then i picked up uh some of the guys down the tribes who were like here grab this grab that was, yeah uh, something about the lady in the water or something with the, that <laughs> was real good it was a, there was a bunch of random stuff so um man i could talk to you <laughs> for hours. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. So let's go uh, and uh, let's tell people where they can find you, what's your websites, what's your handles, what, what do you have for the Rogues Gallery? What do yeah. you got?
1: So uh, Rogues Gallery, we are at roguesgallerytx.com. Uh, if you go there, we do a weekly podcast for the store that is, uh, basically covers comics. We cover the comics for the week. We also talk about whatever pop culture we We'll talk about movie trailers and whatever movies we're watching or TV sure. or that kind of stuff, usually comics-related. But, yeah, if you want to – I think we put together a pretty good comics-related podcast whether you shop at the store or not. We talk about the comics that are coming out in the week.
0: I've listened to it and I like it. Oh, so thank you. Yeah, I enjoy um,
1: it. And you can find that there. Um, if you happen to be a TV fan, I do a weekly TV podcast called The TV Dudes. And you can find this at thetvdudes.com. All right. I am theoretically on Twitter, but I haven't posted in a year and a half. Sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the best place to find me in the store and my comic stuff is theroguesgallerytx.com. And check out the podcast because I'm really proud of it. We've been doing it for quite a while.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've been listening to a few of them. I love them. Um, uh, Rogue's Gallery up in Round Rock. Definitely go check it out. It is one of the uh, few remaining good stores in the Austin area. I mean, they're all great, but it, it's a breed of its own. It's holding on to some classic stuff. Check them out. Get your latest comics. Don't forget to read. Um, thank you guys for listening. Randy, thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you yeah, for having hopefully me. Hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, for sure. All right.